And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Top Goal Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Aruno. Alongside me, co-host Dan Kylie. Back for a, another episode of the Top Goal Talk. I believe this is episode 96. Getting up there, getting close to 100. Um, really jacked to be back with y'all. Uh, feels like it's been like two months since we recorded the episode, but no, it was just last week. Uh, <laughs> I've totally like changed where I'm living now. So, yeah, it's felt long. Hey, me Glad too. To be back. <laughs> and hey glad to see dan's face dan how are we doing this tuesday evening uh i'm doing well we are um getting our stuff that we need for the night and heading to the hotel so uh i'm here to do the show and then i will meet my family back at the hotel so that's what's Hell going yeah, on you're living in the dorm room right and i'm living in the hotel hey man i got space on my couch if you need a place you know it's <laughs> a hell of a drive <laughs> yeah it is a hell of a drive for you uh Dan, let's talk about it. We got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, had some preseason happening this weekend, NFL preseason week one. Obviously, we don't want to key into it too much because it's not the regular season. It's just the preseason. It's kind of like week zero in a way. But we will talk that tonight. We will talk Georgia's path to a 3 P. We brought this up a little bit kind of here and there. But we haven't talked about it extensively. We're going to talk about Georgia's path to a 3 P. what we think needs to happen, what we think uh, will be a reason why. Georgia can win a three-peat. But with that being said, Dan, we have a lot to get into. So let's start with the hot topics. This is a topic that is hot right now. It is a topic I saw on Twitter. People are talking about is right after the commitment of Williams uh, Waniri. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I put a pronunciation thing in here on the show notes. And I think it's Waniri. Uh, the N is silent. And his name, five-star edge rusher. Probably the top edge rusher in the class, if I remember correctly. Committed to Missouri. Obviously, it's the homestead school there. And I saw a tweet from Shannon Terry, owner of On3, said that NIL is creating parity. Uh, not an exact quote there. So, Dan, hot topic number one today. Is NIL, name, image, and likeness for the folks that are living under a rock, creating parity in college football? What do you say, sir? No, I, I don't think it's creating parity. Is it separating some kids from going to schools that they typically would have gone to? Yes, I will agree to that, and I will 100% support anybody who comes with that assertion that is going to remove some of these five stars from programs they would typically inhabit, okay? I'm 100% on board there. Is it creating parity? No, because you have you have a group of players who are going to go to the schools that are going to prepare them and get them to the NFL, and they want to play on the best teams. Then you have another group of players who are about that money, who are about that action, right? So you've always had that. Um, we, you know, we've been told that they've been cheating forever, but now they're doing it in front of your face. And there's a very real through line there where you have players who are all about the money ever since the beginning of time. And now those guys are going to go get the cash bag, and it's just it's okay. It's okay to do that right now. And then you have the other guys who are more serious about where they go to school in their future, and they're going to pick the schools that are going to prepare them the best, and they don't care about the NIL money because, as we said on this show, and it's been said in a bunch of different places, so we're not original, uh, is NFL money is better than NIL money. And so is it creating parity? No. Is it going to separate the kids who want the bag? Absolutely, 100% it's going to do that, and we're starting to see it. I'm not trying to throw jabs at this young man for making the decision because it's been we've all been made very aware that his mother was very heavily uh, involved in this decision, and I will go as far as to say she is the one who made the decision. I don't know that that's where he necessarily wanted to play, but she wasn't going to let him leave home. 
So um, I, I, I don't think it's fair to group him in with the guy who's chasing the bag. Um, but then again, uh, Missouri, you know, you know, to your point, Harrison went out and they made the big comment about – and this is the part I don't get, and this is off topic, so I'll just make it real, real brief, is how can a state legislature – tell a business how they're able to conduct itself. They're saying the NCAA is not allowed to pursue or investigate how a university within these, the state does their business. I'm not really sure that's how that works, but uh, Hey, more power to you. So Harrison, do you think it's creating parody? Loaded question. And I know that when I put this in here, uh, which I think it's a fun topic because everyone's going to have their different opinion, but I don't think me and you really have a differing opinion on this. I think, it's not really creating much in the sense of uh, teams who never were able to get these five stars are going to be able to get a lot of these five stars. We're still going to see Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State get the guys they want. Like, it's still going to happen. They, their hit rate may be a little different now. They may not get them as often. They may, you know, miss on a few guys a year, but I don't think it's creating parity in the sense that a team like Mizzou is going to be competing for a national championship in the next three to four years. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I really don't think the talent gap's closing. I think we may see some former national powers, you know, rise back up to where they were or along this, you know, so-called line of the blue bloods versus the new bloods. We may see that. We may see, you know, USC have a resurgence now that they can kind of spend uh, the dough that they've had in that school for years with the donors. Texas being another one. Texas A&M's, you know, been a hot topic of conversation when it comes to NIL. How do those teams spend their money? I'm, I'm not going to go out on a limb and, and, and say they are throwing bags because I, I don't know. But from what you can gather, there are teams throwing insane amount of bags, and then there's others, which we've been told George is one of them, that have kind of been reluctant to go spend thousands and thousands of dollars on recruits. But hey, you know, as Dan said, they've always been cheating. Now they're just doing it in the wide open. And kind of like what you said, Dan, it, it is very interesting. And I, I pulled up the tweet that we shared, and this is something that we want to talk about that I didn't put in the show notes today because I thought it would just go hand in hand with the hot topic. It's that new law that Missouri put out. And among those things, as you pointed out in that law, basically has given this, any university within the state of Missouri permission to go against the NCAA's regulation and rule regarding NIL and say, hey, you can pay a student-athlete however much money you want to do going into their senior year of high school. If they're from the state of Missouri, you can pay them going into the senior year. That is what the rule says. And the NCAA can't do a lick about it. That is exactly what they say. And it's funny, Dan, because you talked about it. You educated me on this. It's the, you know, the Supreme Court case back a few years ago has put the NCAA in a situation where either they're going to get in trouble by the Supreme Court because they're not letting players get paid or they're going to get racked up in some legal situation with the state of Missouri because they want to punish the state of Missouri for going or the University of Missouri or some other school for going against their policy. Hey, I give them credit. I give the state of Missouri their legislature credit. They're they're really smart. They're really really smart. Now, will this you know hold up over the test of time? I don't know, but it it is probably going to be a trend. We're going to see more and more legislation like this, which is why I once again come on here to plea that we please, for the love of God, need something done that is going to set the bar equal for the rest of the nation, whether that's the federal government, whether that's the NCAA getting a backbone saying, no, we're not going to be, you know, run by a bunch of states. We're not going to be 50 different states running 50 different NIL programs. We're going to be one. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, Dan. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm going to turn it over to you. So I want to comment on this, and this is 
where I'm kind of coming from, Stoddard, is the University of Missouri or the state of Missouri is basically saying that they don't have to adhere to any rules of the NCAA and that the NCAA is not allowed to come after them. And that was kind of like my laughing shot there was, I don't think that's how businesses work. I don't think that's how organizations work. I've never, like, I, it's just weird to me. Uh, Jeremiah, we, we're going to have to definitely uh, talk about this in the future. And, and maybe we could do like a, I, I, I don't know. To answer your question, Jeremiah, I don't know. Because what they're doing is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's, it seems really foolish to me. Uh, and I don't know how, as a state, you can tell, um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, uh, the original question is, is this creating parody? No, it's not. Um, but it's creating a lot of damn confusion is what it's doing. Absolutely. And, and yeah, like we said, there nothing's going to be done about this until there's some either branch of government or the NCAA says, hey, we're not going to put up with this anymore and we're going to lay down the wall. But that doesn't seem to be happening, seeming as uh, – Dan, let me get your question. Uh, actually, I got a question for you. Um, Jim Harbaugh somehow negotiated his way out of a suspension. How in the hell well, do you have any self-respect for your organization if you're not going to enforce the rules and punish those who break them? Well, what's the point? Yeah, so <laughs> from what – what I understand is basically they said, hey, listen, here's the compromise. This is what we're going to do. And Jim Harbaugh told him to get kick rocks. But he wasn't going to sit out a game. And basically, Michigan dared them to do something. And as of right now, they're not going to do anything. So I don't know. But we, we've been saying the NCAA uh, has no balls. They have no sack. They have no marbles, no huevos. They have nothing. So, um, yeah. You're right, Jeremiah. Kirby is going to be calling Brian Kemp very soon and get it past. Kirby can do whatever the hell he wants. And listen, Ben, Jim Harbaugh can clearly do whatever the hell he wants. So whatever. And, you know, the other thing, too, is this happened in like 2000 and uh, was it 17 or 2018? Um, th this whole thing happened with Jim Harbaugh. So, like, at this point, if I'm Harbaugh, I tell him to kick rocks. It's like, dude, you've had five years to do something like get out of my face with this nonsense. Hey, anyway, I mean, spending for four games really doesn't affect them looking at schedule, but yeah, let's get in second season. So whatever. <laughs> let's get in the second question, Dan. What thing to you symbolizes the start of football season? So this is a very open-ended question and you can go basically with whatever you want, but there's two things for me. It's that first time you're in the store and you see the Athlon magazine or the uh, start street and Smith, um, you know, the football's right there on the corner. Um, but the other thing, and now I, I know that in the South, okay, this happens kind of after the season has kind of already started. But um, it's that morning when you wake up and you smell the fresh dew. And it's like, and I don't know, and this may be different for everybody else, but like for me, um, growing up playing football, especially in high school, when you'd have those early morning practices before school or during the summer, there was just that smell in the air that it's hard to describe. It's like the wet grass smell with the sun coming up. Like it, it's just, there's a smell in the air. And it's the first time you smell it uh, when you walk outside early in the morning. And that, that to me has always been like football's in the air. Um, and you know, our smart ass friend, Jonathan Stoddard <laughs> says kickoff in week one. Yeah. Whoa, Jonathan Stoddard. Who is this guy? Uh, yeah. I'm, I butchered his name on purpose. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he's not going to be happy with that right. one. What about you, buddy? Mm. I, I I was kind of thinking about you, like, you know, Athlon Sports, uh, seeing the magazines, the Phil Steele. You know, I've been looking everywhere for Phil Steele magazine uh, just because, you know, I wanted to read it. Like, hey, I want to see what he had to say, had to see what other opinions were. Can't find one. I guess he has, like, an exclusive deal with Barnes & Nobles. <laughs> Whatever. But anyways, yeah, kind of like you, the the magazine, and and, and kind of like you, it's it's you know that 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 smell of the dew. To me, it's kind of the weather change, and that's like you said, kind of a little bit after the season starts, it's starting to get cold a little bit. You know, mid sixties, low fifth, you know, mid fifties. That 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 feel that morning breeze, Dan, when you wake up in the morning. Uh, not quite the sweatshirt season, but more so, you know, I might need to wear some sweatpants today or something like that. That's that's the feeling. Uh, for me, that football season is kind of like you said around the corner. Uh, Dan, with that being said, you have a rant today. Uh, no hot topics or not hot topics. No blind draft today. We will reschedule a blind draft. I believe it's Dan's turn for no. Is it my turn for you? Or yeah, it's your turn. You're lazy and you didn't do one, and I'm really disappointed. And I don't know how we're going to be friends after this because I was so <laughs> looking forward to a blind draft. I don't know but- why I thought. It was your turn for me, but anyways. Yeah. I could put one together right now if we need to do it because it could be fun. Anyway, well, let's get to my rant. So my rant for this week uh, is clickbait head ba- headlines. And if you don't know what that is, uh, for example, and I'm just making this up off the top of my head because they're so asinine, it's pretty easy to do, is uh, you might read a headline um after research into the Georgia football program, shocking revelations, you know, are brought to the light or whatever. So you're like, oh, my God, what happened in Georgia? I need to click on this. And then there will be a lead in like so much, you know, traffic issues going on at University of Georgia and the, all this. So we had our re- researchers do all this research and we noticed that 95 percent of the Georgia players park on the right side of the road. You're like, What? Are you kidding me right now? Like, I, I I literally just took the time to read that nonsense. It, and that is, it, it just aggravates the tar out of me uh, with these clickbait headlines. And maybe because I'm stupid and I'm the one that falls for them. But, you know, I, I do like intriguing stuff. I do like being um, the first to know something. Or I do like um, just information in general. So you see these headlines and they make you read it. And... There's there's no content. There's no content at all. It's because everybody um, everybody gets paid now on clicks, not content. And all they have to do to get the con- to get the clicks is just have a really good headline. And it, it's not just one place or one one group of people doing it. It's pretty much everybody. It's the headline is just this attention grabbing headline, and there's no content. There's no content at all. Um, and it, it's it just I don't know, man. I just, I long for a time where, you know, you had a, a headline that told you what was going to be the story. You could read the story and get all the information you needed. And it's just not there anymore. It's just, everything's clickbait. Everything is just this, this microwave society. But, you know, and, and I just cannot believe that there are people who are paying these uh, writers and I use air quotes writers uh, to write these articles because they're horseshit articles. And I, I just, Oh, I could go on and on, and I just won't. It's just at the end of the day, it's just bullshit. Azuna from the Braves, <laughs> and it's not just it's not just you know print media or wait, hold on, time out. Jeremiah, 
Did you just put that in there because El Oso Grande hit a home run? Three run homer. <laughs> uh, and Harrison and not... wanted a Harrison wanted to rant on Braves baseball, and I told him, "Dude, I can't rant on Braves baseball because they're killing it right now, and they're beating the hell out of my two number one enemies, the New York Mets and New York Yankees." It's my fault. I should have asked him to do one after the All Star break. He would have had plenty to rant on back then. Uh, but yeah, it's not just plant, uh, print media or digital media. It's you know even TV do a sense. Not even clickbait with TV. It's yeah, they're. I can get into that, but I'm not. Uh, Dan, dogs in the NFL. We, we started a few weeks ago, highlighted a few. It's time again, Dan. And we've digitized this a little bit. We've we've brought this up a little bit. Guys, I'm just let you know. We jazzed up this segment a minute, uh, just a little bit. Brought in, instead of sharing our screen, we got our own clips. Uh, we clipped up. Dan, where do you want to start today? Look, look at the options, Dan, and tell me where you want to start, and we'll start. Well, you know, for me, you have to start with Stetson Bennett um, just because he is he's the focal point of what everybody does, right? Everybody loves to talk about Stetson Bennett. And uh, Jeremiah had a whole se- segment uh, on his show about uh, there is an insurance agent out in California who's absolutely talking about clickbait headlines or, or attention grabbing headlines. He says there's an insurance agent out there slinging, uh, well, you know, touchdowns or whatever out in California. But um yeah Stetson Bennett had a hell of a job and, and what I really liked uh, in watching uh him play is that they gave him you know pretty much the whole game and I don't know that his position was ever um I don't know that his position was ever really in question although in the NFL nothing's ever for certain but I really think Stetson put his foot in the ground and threw an absolute laser uh, time and time again, and I think um, he he has just really gotten um, off on the right foot. I just completely lost my train of thought, and I just probably sounded like an idiot, but he did really good. So that's a good job. Hey, that's my fault. I think you looked at the comments. Judging I did. By your eyes, I, I derailed you. That's my that's fault. With me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dan, I, I, you know, going into it, the the Rams game, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh you know, he kind of started out the game rough, actually very rough. I think all, you know, the first three throws were all turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, and they were. You know, in the past, in college, if he got off to a start like that, you know, could have derailed him, at least early in his career in college. Those type of moments would have derailed him. If one of those, you know, incompletions turned into a pick, that could have been the game uh, for the Braves. And Dan's going to get his copyright struck <laughs> as we speak here. But, yeah, uh, Seth's performance – it, it was good. I, I like what I saw. He rebounded, which I think was the thing that people most wanted to see was how does he respond to adversity. And thank God we don't have to listen to, oh, man, he was only good because he had the talent around him. Guys, if you didn't watch, that offense line, not great. Receivers, not great. Play with second and third string, you know, people in the NFL and had some pretty good success. So but let's go ahead, put that narrative in the, you know, to bed. Dig it under the ground. Never bring it back up again. Seth Bennett's a good football player, and I'm glad people are finally starting to figure that out because it felt like for the last two years, no, the narrative was he's not a good football player. He just has good football players around him. So glad we can go ahead and dismiss that one. Dan, let's get into the next ones we have on this list. Mm, I'm, I'm going to do it. Let's start with Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter played two snaps. Not much to take away here from Jalen Carter other than dude's Dude's good at what he does. Like, dude's really good. Dude's probably the best player in that draft class. And I'm going to show you why. 
because he walks in, Dan, on his, I believe it's his second snap. No, no, first snap. First snap of the game. Eagles versus Ravens. Shout out to our guy, Todd Munkin, over there on the Ravens, uh, Ravens offense coordinator. But look what Jalen Carter does. Uh, guys, For if you're watching live, 98 here on the left, lining up across the former, uh, actually another former Georgia Bulldog and Ben Cleveland. Good Lord almighty, Dan. The, and actually, that's number three right there is Nolan Smith, another dog. Uh, Jalen Carter's made that swim move, like his patent. That that is his hat move right now. That is his win against like when he's when he's rushing the passer. That's going to be the move he goes to. That's his number one move. He even does it against the run. It's crazy. He just throws people right up off the club. Did it to Ben Cleveland here, uh, Dan? You you put this greatly because there's been a lot of overreactions to this play, not on the Jalen Carter side, but the Ben Cleveland side, sir. And I'm gonna kind of let you explain that because you put it eloquently, and I think in terms everybody can understand. Yeah, I mean, when you called me and told me about it, you said Ben Cleveland's getting absolutely ate up because Jalen Carter ate his lunch. And I flipped it around on you and I said, the the real concern to me would be if Jalen Carter couldn't beat Ben Cleveland because Ben Cleveland is a rotational guy who's taken later in the draft. Jalen Carter is arguably the best player in this draft who very, you can make, I mean, Outside of all the nonsense that happened, Jalen Carter probably should have went number one. Now, granted, I understand quarterbacks are valued more, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. But you can make a very strong argument that Jalen Carter is supposed to be the best player in this entire draft. So if you have a guy who is the best player in the entire draft, he better be able to eat the lunch of a second or third string offensive guard, regardless of where he went to school or whatever. So I, I don't have any negative connotation on this for Ben Cleveland. I mean, I'm saying good job, Jalen Carter. You did what you were supposed to do. And you went on to say that they went on, uh, you know, they have, there was another rep where Ben Cleveland handled them. So, you know, I don't know. Like to me, it's just absolutely silly and foolish to uh, rip a guy who is a rotational offensive lineman for getting beat by, a guy who is arguably the best player in the draft. Because you know what? There's this other guy. His name is Aaron Donald. And guess what he is? Really fucking good. And guess what he does every week? Beast the shit out of Pro Bowl Hall of Fame offensive linemen because he's really fucking good. So, you know, it's what happens. Jalen Carter's really freaking good too. And he's going to beat anybody you line up against him. It just so happened to be Ben Cleveland this time. Sorry, got a little bit animated. I just thought it was really stupid. Hey, Dan, we're, you know, this segment's all about highlighting people, uh, people who did their job. And it wasn't Jalen Carter specifically that Ben Cleveland, but Ben Cleveland rebounded in great fashion. And nobody wants to talk about it because everybody just turns on the 17 second clip of Jalen Carter destroying him. Look what Ben Cleveland did the next play, guys. Look at he did. He's the right guard, right side of your screen, number 66. Look at him uproot this head up two technique. Uproots him on the double team, gets the two technique defensive tackle with one arm and gets the linebacker with the other. That's impressive. That's impressive. And nobody's talking about it. Oh, Ben Carter, uh, Ben Cleveland had a bad game because he got beat by Jalen Carter. Shoot. Find me one lineman that's not going to get beat by Jalen Carter. You, you probably won't. Uh, unless we're talking about some of these high tier elite guards in the NFL. Hey, we're going to see. But anyways, that that's what we're going to that's what we wanted to show. And actually, I got another one, Dan. Um, Nolan Smith didn't put up much on the stat sheet. 
and I put this out on Twitter, put the clip out on Twitter. He he showed you how he translates into the NFL. He needs a little bit more refinement. He's going to need some more reps, but he shows you. Watch number three here. I believe he's going to be on the bottom of your screen across from 77. Whoo! Speed rush. Shows you that dip. Shows you that bend. That's how he translates. It's not a sack. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet for folks, but it's a pressure. It's a hit. He hurries you know the what? quarterback, has to get that ball out. The other thing that you're not mentioning is that he's been around the ball in every clip that you've showed so far. I mean, has he made the play? No, but he's around the ball. So when a player is around the ball that much, they happen to make plays. I mean, you can't make a play on every single play, but as long as you're around the football, you have an opportunity to make plays. Absolutely, and that's what Jalen – that's what – the goal is here with Nolan Smith. So, hey, that's our dogs in the NFL segment, guys. We're trying to do that every week. It's really going to depend on what those dogs in the NFL do. Uh, don't know if we'll always have the all-22 clips of those guys, but we'll see. I know we didn't get Stetson in here today, but, man, there I, I couldn't pick one play unless Dan maybe wanted that deep over route he threw uh, with pressure in his face, the the anticipation route that he hit kind of up the near the sideline. That was probably the one throw that I probably would have thrown in here. Uh, but, hey. We'll, we'll try to get it next time. Roots, how you doing, my man? Zach, Jeremiah, thank you all for being here today. Dan, let's hop into a second. You know, Roots Rude, loves rants, and my rant was mid today. I'm just going to tell you it's kind of mid. But my rant on the Ben Cleveland thing that you just missed was epic. I'll clip it for you, Roots. You'll want to see it. At Dan Colley here on Twitter to go check his rant. Go Catch a rant if you missed it. Also, guys, we have a podcast in podcast form, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, I believe it's Amazon Podcast, something like that. Uh, we're available everywhere. So go listen to us there, and you also can watch us here on Playback. Like and subscribe here on YouTube. Let's talk 3 Pete Dan, something we haven't talked about much, and I kind of want to go in-depth today because it's kind of been a down week news-wise. Aside from the NFL, not much has happened in the Georgia football space. Yes, there have been tidbits about their scrimmage, but hey, that's not my intel to give away. So if you want it, go find it. Uh, to people who have sources who are there, go find it. They'll talk about it there. You can get informed there. Dan, let's talk past the three-peat. Kind of the goal of this segment, Dan, is we want to talk about, kind of give some reasons why we think it can happen and maybe some reasons or some points of improvement that Georgia you know, needs to make to get there. Let's let's start out with the why it could happen. Obviously, a three-peat hasn't happened since, I believe it's 1950. Maybe even earlier than that, Minnesota's last team. No, it was 1930s. Uh, Minnesota was the last team to do it. So, Dan, off rip, number one, I got a few options on that show notes for us. But, Dan, what is the number one reason why, in Dan Colley's opinion, that Georgia can three-peat? The number one reason is the schedule. Um, they are going to have a very easy schedule, and it's not necessarily their fault, right? It just happened to play out that way. But their schedule is very manageable. They're, they are going to be able to get healthy. They're going to be able to get experienced. Uh, so whenever they come up around these tests, like, you know, is Florida going to be a test? I mean, I, I hear everybody saying how bad Florida is, and maybe they are. But um, I, I don't – I'm not really here for Florida's a cupcake because it's Florida, it's a rival. It's always going to be a good game. Tennessee uh, has a really good coach. Um, well, I wouldn't say great or anything like that, but he's really good right now, and they have some talent up there in Tennessee. Um, I, I just – I think that they're going to be catching these teams at good times. I mean, we don't know what health is going to look like. We don't know about energy or uh, injuries or whatever, but the schedule is very manageable. There's not really a behemoth on there. Um, the only question I would have about a schedule like that is that are you really going to be tested? But this team has been tested the last couple of years. So uh, the number one reason uh, – 
that Georgia has a chance to three-peat would be the schedule, and that's my opinion. Hey, and I guess really that could you know even qualify as something they need to work on in the sense that, hey, are they going to be tested? As we found out in recent years, when people say Georgia has a bad schedule, you know, come the end of January, it kind of turns into, oh, well, you know, you don't play anybody the next year, though, uh, because Georgia ends up finding a test. Whether it was Tennessee in 2021, uh, Clemson, played Clemson, but everyone says, oh, they're a bad Clemson. That doesn't count. Uh, Georgia gets tested a little bit by Tennessee, and it ends up being a pretty good schedule. Last year, everyone was crapping on Georgia's off, out of conference, even though they played Oregon. Come to find out, Hey, it was a pretty good schedule. So, hey, maybe that will be the same this year. I'm you know, everybody's already circling the Tennessee Ole Miss matchup. Both oh, I forgot about Ole Miss. games. Uh, yeah, I mean those should be good games. Like Georgia's in conference schedule, I think will provide some matchups where they can get some work and get some get some challenges. But I'm not, you know, that's not to say Georgia's not going to win by twenty to you know thirty something points against some of these teams. Uh, so we'll have to see. Dan, my number one reason is Kirby Smart because I mean right now. There is no coach that is hotter in college football. Like Kirby Smart, arguably is the best college is the best coach currently today in college football. I know Nick Saban has the history, everything to back him up in that case. But if we're talking about today and today alone and recent history, like as in two to three years, Kirby Smart's in that discussion, if not the discussion in that sense. Uh, master motivator obviously has prowess on the defensive side of the ball, knows what he's doing, knows how to call defenses, knows what it takes to have a really great defense. But for me, it's just his way of controlling the narrative that makes me think if there's going to be a team, a program that can do the three-peat for the first time in the modern era, it's going to be him because he can control the narrative. He can tell his team that nobody thinks you're going to win. He can convince the team that everybody thinks they're going to have six wins after repeating two times. Like, that's that's different. So if anyone's going to be done, for me, number one reason, Kirby Smart. So me calling it a, a an easy schedule has nothing to do with the rankings. It's the fact that we don't play any of the heavy hitter crossover teams from the other side. Like, you don't have to put a rating by anybody's name for me to say whether they're a good team or they're not a good team. Ole Miss is a good team. Are they a top five team or the top 25 team? I don't know. I know that they're a decent team. They're a good team. I know that Tennessee is going to be a good team. I don't need a ranking to tell you that they are or they are not. I can tell you that South Carolina is not going to be that great, in my opinion. I know that Vanderbilt's not going to be that great, in my opinion. I know that the the Northeast-Southwest uh, Trojans are not going to be any good. So, I, I mean, I don't need schedule. I don't need uh, rankings to tell you that it's not a killer schedule. I mean, if we played Ohio State, USC, and Arizona on our schedule, I'd be like, oh, shit, that's a really top-heavy schedule. Like, uh, you know, our non-conference is going to be really, really tough. But we're not. We're playing – I don't even know who the hell we're playing. But um, we're not playing anybody good. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's – obviously, it's not the Power 5 program that everybody wants Georgia to play as a two-time reigning national champion. Uh, you want that – that Oklahoma matchup, that Oklahoma game. You want something marquee, and that's yes, like and, and and our schedule would look completely different if they didn't take that game away from us. I mean, if Oklahoma I, I was on the front part of our schedule, nobody would have anything to say. And I, I don't – what? Shocker. I don't give a shit if it's an easy schedule because I want to win every game. And if you make it easier for us to win every game, I'm not mad about it. And actually, you know, Jeremiah, I actually don't disagree. I, I think it's very plausible – 
at least for the regular season, there's three. You know, it's funny. I was doing this a few weeks ago. Georgia had seven ranked wins, according to the last CFP poll after they won the national championship. When you add up all the playoff games, uh, and if, I, I mean, I don't believe there's anybody that beat them in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, hey, three right there in the regular season by the end of the regular season could turn into six, maybe seven. If you win the SEC championship and then you beat both teams in the playoffs, they could easily go into playing a lot of ranked teams. So I don't I don't disagree with that. Dan, another reason, obviously, let's talk about it, is going to be the defense. You bring back seven defensive starters, which doesn't include a young contributor uh, who played a lot last year, Michael Williams, who, Dan, by the way, Michael Williams was named a top 10 player in college football by ESPN. Top 10, which is, I mean, that's 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 saying something. That I mean, Brock Bowers was the number two best player in college football. All of college football, according to ESPN, only behind Caleb Williams. That's that's some high praise right there for Michael Williams and somebody who I think everybody kind of knew coming out was going to be a contributor. At least when he got on campus, the whispers started coming out. Oh, yeah, like this dude's this dude's next. We're going to see it this year. You know, this is a big year for him. This is a big year for the defense. What's happening? Dan, I think we lost Dan. Uh, yeah, but anyways, we'll wait for Dan to get back, uh, and then we'll continue. Uh, yeah, but Michael Williams, named a top 10 player in college football. Obviously, if Georgia's going to win a three-peat, I, I, I think the defense is going to be a big part of that. Some might say the offense will be a major part of that. We'll see, but I, I mean, it's to me, they've been consistent year over year. It's not about how good they could be anymore. It's about how great they can be or will be. Uh, it's, it's kind of turned into could to will uh, if you're talking about Georgia's defense. Dan, do we have you back? I'm here. I don't know if I'm back, but I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're very delayed. Try to exit StreamYard and come back in. Am I good? Exit StreamYard come back in. All right. While we work on Dan getting back, we're going to – Continue along. Sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. Uh, not expected. First time. First time it's happened here in a minute. Uh, hey, I guess while we're at it, throw some questions. I don't want to get into the rest of this segment without Dan, so he can add in his two cents. We're already thirty-four minutes in. Dan, I see you're back. Test one, two. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> you're back, buddy. Am I though? Yeah, you're back. You're you're totally yeah. back. <laughs> I just want to make sure. All right, so how's everything going? What would I miss? Anything good? Nothing good. We were talking about the defense, about why right. if Georgia's going to win a 3 P, it's going to be the defense. What do you say? Well, I, I say that you know there's a chance that this defense could be one of the best that Georgia's had. And before you say pump your brakes, I don't know how that's possible. It's the speed. This is one of the fastest defenses ever put on the field. Now, I, listen, uh, are we going to have Jordan Davis and are we going to have, uh, you know, Carter right next to him. No, but we got some other guys that can go. Our linebackers are really consistent. And I, I love having um, um, just the depth that we have in the secondary. I, I know that there's a little bit of concern going on in the corner, but that, oh, that, that'll work itself out. I just feel like it will. And maybe I'm, maybe on, I'm showing too much faith, but I really have faith in what, uh, you know, this defensive staff has been able to put on the field the last couple of years and, you know, we're recruiting really, really well. I just, I really feel like this defense has a chance to be really, really special. I don't, 
I don't know that we'll ever be as good against the run as we were with Carter and Davis. I, I don't know that that's even possible, but I'm here for it if they think they can get it done. I'm with you, Dan. That's And let's go ahead and get into it. What do they need to improve upon? Or at least what do they need to prove to us? And I think defense line's one for me. Yes, they have talent. Yes, they have some returning starters in the Zier Stackhouse. Zion Logue's basically essentially a starter, even though he may not be on paper. He's he's played in plenty of games for Georgia. I'm going to consider him a returning starter for Georgia. Uh, I My my biggest question is the edge, Dan. We, we, we kind of saw a drop-off last year, and who wouldn't when you lose Nolan Smith? Like, who wouldn't see a drop-off in their, you know, pass rush production? when you lose the guy like Nolan Smith. I, I got to see it this year. You know, we talked about Michael Williams. Does he make that huge jump in year two? All, already being projected as a top-ten player in college football. That's high praise. Marvin Jones Jr., another five-star in the same class as Michael Williams. Didn't see him much last year, kind of played in a off-the-bench role, reserved role. Uh, but when he did play, I would say he played up the par. But can he take that jump? Can he be that starter on the outside backer position? That's kind of my biggest question is – What's that pass rush look like? Because as we talked about it, I believe it was last week or the week before, you can't can't allow a quarterback to sit back in the pocket for very long. You got two and a half seconds, maybe three, three and a half to get the quarterback before they get that ball out, at least at the pro level. And it's it's starting to be replicated here in college with all these offenses wanting to go, you know, short. Like they're getting the ball out quickly against Georgia. You know, the only questions I have for the defense, obviously, you know, like you said, we don't have the, the same names, the defensive line that we've had in the past. But I have two questions is can the guy, you know, can the guy whoever takes the opposite side of Kamari Lasseter, which Kamari Lasseter, you know, was young in his own right last year, but was an absolute star. Can somebody match his level of play on the other side? Right. That's obviously number one. Number two for me, can Marvin Jones Jr. be a superstar? And that, that's the question that I have because Marvin Jones Jr. to me uh, had a lot of hype. Um, well, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it a lot of hype, but there's a lot of expectations around him because of who his father was. And, you know, he's obviously very talented or he wouldn't be the University of Georgia. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him last year. It's just a guy that I've kind of had circled. And I feel like if that guy can be the superstar that I think he can be, then this Georgia's defense is going to have no problems because they've got so much talent in other places. But, you know, he's playing a, a spot um, that really, you know, could could really help the dogs. So um, those are the two questions I have. Can who can whoever gets the other cornerback spot, you know, match the level of talent that we see on the other side? And then can Marvin Jones Jr. be a superstar? What about the offense, sir? We haven't mentioned the offense much. If you had a question about the offense, what would it be? I, I mean, very simply – Who's the running back that you can count on? Who's the running back that can get the yards that we have to have when we got to have them? Because you do have a first-year quarterback. Now, listen, he's been in the program. I get it. But he's never been the starter. He's never had that level of expectations. And there are a lot of guys who can look really, really good until that level of expectation is put on their shoulders and they're not able to play. But one of the easiest ways to transition a new quarterback is to have a really strong running game. What is – when Matt Ryan became the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, what is the one thing that they knew they had to have? That was a running game. They went and got Michael Turner, put Michael Turner in the backfield, and guess what? Matt Ryan had a super successful uh, rookie year, went to the playoffs, lost to Arizona, whatever, whatever. But they went and got him a running back to take some of that pressure off of him because he didn't have to make every play all the time. 
And that is my biggest question with this Georgia rushing attack. Do they have the talent in the room? 100% they have the talent in the room. They have some very talented running backs. The problem is none of them have been the guy to carry the load. And I wouldn't say maybe um, – uh, gosh, my, my mind just blanked. Um, Dejan Edwards. Dejan. So Dejan is probably the one that you would point to and say he's the most reliable – um, the one that we have the most faith in. Now, Kendall is probably the most talented, but you know, in, in no, through no fault of his own, I'm not blaming him for anything. It's just you know, unfortunately for him, since he's been at the University of Georgia, he's been dinged up. Now he was the second leading rusher last year, which would surprise a lot of people. I'd be willing to bet you. Um, but can he have the breakout year and can he stay healthy? Because if Kendall can stay healthy and stay on the field again, I, I think is the most talented in the room. Um, but you know, and then we got some freshman running backs. We got a sophomore running back. Branson Robinson is built like an oak tree. Um, the rock Robinson, um, absolute stud. Andrew Paul was the one that got all the hype last spring before he blew his knee out. You know, is he able to come back? You know, you never know until you see it, but whoever, Somebody's got to be got to be that running back that he can lean on um, just to make sure that um, we get the yards that we need to get. So I think if we have a very dependable running game, Carson Beck is going to thrive. My question is pretty simple, and it's it's not really a big question for me because I, I don't think it's going to be a problem, not when you have Brock Bowers on your offense. And it's what's that receiver room look like? You know, without AD in the in the loom, we we saw what Georgia's offense looked like without AD Mitchell last year. It's kind of similar to what they did the year before without George Pickens. Like they they were able to get by, they were able to win, they were able to win. You know, in hand a lot of times and have a really good offense. But what does that look like? We 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 saw how different that offense looked with AD in the lineup compared to without. He was the X receiver, the guy you put in you know single coverage, man to man coverage, trust him against almost any DB in the country, and he'd go win. Go win you some football games there. Uh, how, how does Georgia deal without him? Is it Rob Rod Thomas? Is it Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint? Or is it kind of like in years past where they really haven't had that true X receiver, that true George Pickens, that true AJ Green, and you know the deal without him? So that's my big question offensively. Uh, and it's not really a question. If I had a second one, Dan, it's not a question because I, you know, they've already told us kind of what to expect. Boy, I just want to see Bobo's offense in work, like in action, man, like game action. I want to see Bobo's offense in game 13. I don't care about Bobo's offense games one through four. It's not going to be the same. I just want to see him in the postseason with nothing to hide. And, man, I'm excited to watch this offense work uh, because everybody loved Todd Munkin. Um, Like, that's no question, but it's just exciting. It just feels new. Uh, And I know it's not new, but I I want to see that Bobo offense work. It's been a while. Uh, I was, as Jeremiah likes to point out, I was young when Bobo was around, but I do have fond memories of Bobo. And hey, you know, Brooks does like to point out that a strength of Bobo's, you know, coordinating game back at Georgia was his, you know, ability to design runs, like home run hitters. Does that translate? You know? I I, I would laugh hysterically. Um, And I'd probably be the only one. But I would laugh hysterically if – the first play of the first game, he lines up under center in I formation. I would die with a fullback 
I would absolutely die because that's the that's the everybody's like, oh, he's gonna bring the fullback back. We're gonna be the power. Yeah, I, I want to see it. Too tight eye formation with a fullback on the first play is just like a f you to the entire fan base for just bitching and moaning. That would be I, I hilarious. Got, I got something better, Dan. First third and ten, halfback draw. Do it. Do it. No. Do it. Do it. No, I especially I, I've said, that, listen, do it. That's. Bobo did that shit way too much. Like that that's not it. That would bring that's I'd have some PTSD from that. Like I can't do that. But I mean, people have explained it. Like people a lot smarter than me have explained it. And when you think about it, like why he would do it, it makes sense. When the defense would give up 20 points a game and you have to score 40 every game, like you're not gonna want to give up field position. You're not gonna want to risk a sack if you're in field goal range. So you if it, it you know, you just say throw in the towel and give up kind of on the play. Now, when you have Todd Gurley, you're not really giving up on any of the play. But Georgia doesn't have Todd Gurley in the backfield right now. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the I-formation stuff, that would kind of be like Tech coming out in their spring game, Dan. Uh, kind of like the intro four wide coming out in the uh, the wishbone or in the triple option set and then audibling into shotgun. Now, that would be t- that would be fun. If they audibled out of I-formation into something else, put Brock Bowers at uh, fullback, that would be fun. Uh, guys, that's going to wrap it up for episode 96 of the Top Top Talk podcast. 45-minute episode, not as long as last week's. Guys, we appreciate you tuning in each and every week. We've had a lot of fun. Um, don't think we've missed a show in like over a month. So, hey, we're going to be here every Tuesday at 7.30. Actually, I take that back. We'll be here every Tuesday. I can't promise 7.30, but we're shooting for 7.30 every day. Uh, but we will have a show out nonetheless here on Tuesdays night. Guys, go follow Dan Kiley at DanKiley3 on Twitter. Follow me at Harrison Reno. We'll see you back next week with episode 97 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. And it moved my music. I'm sorry, Dan. They took your music. Oh, there it is. Go, dog.